Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. The podcast is brought to you by the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. I'm Tammy Sims, lead trainer for the Institute and a full-time real estate professional in St. Petersburg, Florida for more than two decades. In this episode, we're gonna explore some instances where the lifestyle is what sells the property. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Real Marketing, the only marketing firm recommended exclusively by the Institute. Real Marketing utilizes over 25 years of expertise and their products are built and customized for you to dominate any neighborhood, anywhere. Go to realmarketingforyou.com. That's realmarketing4u.com. Also, look for past A State of Mind episodes with CEO David Collins as our guest. I'm here today again with my co-host, Jack Miller, who's with Parks Real Estate in the greater Nashville market in Middle Tennessee. Jack specialized in luxury homes and relocation services for almost 25 years. Jack, it is a pleasure to be with you again. Hi, Tammy. Great to see you today also. I'm really excited about today's topic. Um, you mentioned a moment ago, lifestyle as it relates to um, the luxury home market. And so you and I have talked before about how important the experience is. And that's what we're talking about today is how that purchase decision that buyers make in a luxury home market has oftentimes as much to do with the experience as it has to do with the house itself. And I think about that in terms of you know, not just home purchases, but, uh, but lots of things that we do. You think about fine dining. When we decide on a really nice restaurant that we, for a special occasion, we don't make the decision on going to that restaurant simply by the menu. Obviously, the menu is important, but oftentimes we think about the overall experience. It might be about, you know, what's the sound level like? Is it good for conversation? What's the view from the restaurant? Is it sitting at the top of a high-rise building? Is it overlooking a gorgeous canal, you know, waterfront, what's the overall atmosphere and the vibe? And so the experience becomes as important in the selection process of the restaurant as the actual meal itself. And so I equate that in a lot of ways to the way that a lot of times our clients are making purchase, purchase decisions on luxury homes, not just on the house and the nuts and bolts of square footage and the rooms it has and the We've talked before, you know, about interior design and about the features of the home, but it has to do with the experience of the home as it relates to the neighborhood and the community that surrounds the property. I think it's a really exciting topic. I agree. It's about not only the journey, but how you end up. And you had mentioned also thinking about uh, when you're choosing a vacation spot. Right. It's not just about the where, it's about the the why, right? Like what's that gonna feel like when you when you get there, right? And and you also mentioned how we get there, right? Talk about yeah. that just a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. Again, you, you we think about planning vacations and it's not just the destination, but it can be also the experience of, hey, do we do we travel first class? And we do that on vacation, but we don't do that in everyday business travel. Do we travel by train? Uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite vacation ever, was the Rocky Mountaineer, the Canadian Rockies. So it wasn't about where we were going. That was part of it. But it was riding on the Rocky Mountaineer with a glass top train and having a chef on the car 
and the whole experience of getting there. So, or riding, a, a, taking a cruise as opposed to flying to an island, taking a cruise. So again, it's about creating these experiences. So yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of ways that those types of things relate to our home purchasing as well, the luxury of the market. I think you're right. Um, it's it's a great analogy because often in the luxury space, whether it's a, a primary residence or whether it's a secondary residence, the the lifestyle or the experience that a property offers is what's going to draw the buyer. It's what's going to sell the property. And so I want to talk today about some uh, examples of that and how we can use a, a niche approach to market our luxury listings to the right audience. And so when we started talking about this topic, you mentioned that your brokerage's website actually has search features based on lifestyle rather than just the ordinary home parameters, right? So I had to go check it out and um, I thought it was fascinating. So tell us about that, right? And to set the stage, most brokerage websites, you can search for properties and it's the whole MLS and you enter the beds and the baths and all of that. Uh, but what do people find when they when they land on, on your brokerage's website? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, our marketing department has done a fabulous job by taking all the information that you would see typically in the MLS, but putting in a platform that's based on experiences. So for example, instead of looking at, you know, homes based on lot size and acreage or in a zip code or neighborhood, you would see things like city views, college life, celebrity spotting, which that one cracks me up, but it's of funny. Of course, of course. <laughs> Yeah, but we're in Nashville and like L.A. or New York or some other places, you know, there's a lot of celebrities and there's talent. So people say, hey, where, you know, where do the country music singers live? Um, and I, you'd be surprised. There are people who start their home search wanting to know because they figure if that's where they are, this must be a nice area to be in. So there's, you know, foodies. That's a category talking about where all the cool restaurants are and urban living and eclectic feel. There's all these different categories on the website that allows the consumer, our clients, to search not just by those, again, nuts and bolts features of a home, but looking for homes that feel that, that, that uh, fill a need that they have. For example, we talked about urban living. So they, when, they, when they select that category, all the neighborhoods that, that fit in that category of urban living pop up, whether it be high-rise or mid-rise condos or downtown historic communities, things of that nature. So, so it puts those communities together based on those various topics, which is a fun way to search, particularly when you're not familiar with a town and you're trying to get a, the lay of the land. It's a really interesting way to approach it, I think. And there were a number of those that really caught my eye, but also I want to point out that that there were there were a number of them that were established communities, right. cul-de-sacs, right? right? Like so for those people that are not looking for something kind of crazy or, or unique like that, that's actually in there as well. So that that's something to speak of. Uh, do, you, do you find a lot of folks that gravitate towards those communities that wouldn't necessarily be interested in some of the more eclectic ones? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think... When I think of a typical consumer who's looking at luxury properties, at least for, for us in our market, oftentimes, you know, they're looking for that more suburban, upscale neighborhood feel. And we have a lot of that, obviously, in the outskirts of Nashville, particularly in Williamson County, where we're located. 
there's a lot of, of communities that kind of you know that fit that need, if you will, the cul-de-sac, typical cul-de-sac community. And you think about buyers when they're, again, we've had in past topics, we've talked about people are moving across the country a lot more than they have been in years past, not because of a corporate move where it's a have to, but it's a lifestyle move because they want to. And so this topic fits really well with that because we've got people moving into our market, into your market, into the markets where our listeners are, where they're, they're choosing to go somewhere because they've heard a lot of great things about a particular city and they want to experience that city. They feel like it's a good fit for them and their family. But a lot of times they just don't know the lay of the land. Now, of course, as brokers, that's what we do. We, we give them the lay of the land, give community tours. But this is a really fun way to start because in casual conversation, we're typically saying things like, well, tell me what you'd like to see in a neighborhood. And they're saying things like, and here's one we get a lot in the last few years. We want a home in a neighborhood that's walkable. That's mm. Walkable. They want an experience, not just a beautiful home, not just a home on a street with other beautiful homes in a safe neighborhood. They want to be able to walk somewhere that's interesting. And, and so the experience might be, it's, you know, it doesn't, sometimes we get the, you know, I want to be able to walk to a Starbucks, you know, or a coffee shop, right? Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. Get, that, get that where you guys are. But a lot of times it's not necessarily being next to restaurants and retail. It could just be, we want to be able to walk somewhere and see something besides a sidewalk. We want to walk along a greenway. That's a big deal in our market. Do you guys have greenways in yours? Is that no, a- we, we've talked about this before. We don't have the concept of greenways, but I'm hearing it more and more around uh, around the country so so that is something it could be it could so walkability you mentioned this or, yeah. or proximity right so if we if we if we want to lose the word walk so that we're not uh, excluding anybody who sure, is uh, yeah. who's differently able um but so so the way that your neighborhoods are presented even drills down further than that right because it could be proximity to recreation and nature or it could be proximity to great restaurants, which would appeal to the foodies. Or one of the things that I that I really appreciated, uh, small town feel is one of the categories, right? And so having grown up in Tennessee, I certainly know that there there are towns that that fit that, right? I'm thinking off the top of my head, Bell Buckle would be sure. uh, would would be for sure. And for our listeners, that's actually a real town. I went to school there, right? But that would not be your proximity to Starbucks, right? That would be the proximity to the lo- local, you know, ice cream shop or something like that. So I think it's it's really interesting that you can drill down so walkability as the 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 big thing, which is a, you know, buzzword these days, but that can mean so many things, so many different things to so many different people, and I love how this uh, this works. And then the other one that I I really loved was there's a category for on the verge, right? And so this to me says, this is like either a bohemian neighborhood or one that's revitalizing, gentrifying, something like that. And how important is that for somebody who really wants like a suburban cul-de-sac experience? They are not gonna be interested in in the on the verge neighborhoods and vice versa, right? So I love that one. Tell me a little bit about about that kind of on the verge for you. What kind of places are there? what kind of uh, what kind of folks are responding to that one? Younger people mostly, you know, and on the verge for our market. Um, and I'm sure this you could probably describe this type of community uh, with different language or different places all over the country. 
But it, like you said, it's the up and coming neighborhoods. And for us, you can basically take any neighborhood that is close, that's either in downtown Nashville or close to downtown Nashville, that you might walk through a drive through today and think, gosh, this does not look like a you know, particularly nice place to live. You know, because maybe maybe it's a real industrial area. There's lots of warehouses and things of that nature. But the neighborhood is changing, and we're seeing one by one these warehouses disappearing or old buildings, old commercial buildings giving way to loft development, for example, um, or warehouses coming down and brownstones going up or new construction. So they're in transition, but there's still a whole lot of other stuff in the area that may not make it the most ideal environment. Right. Kid friendly, and you know, there's not really playgrounds. It's not, it's not that fit, but it's on the verge, you know. Yeah, and there's, got, yeah, there's, we've got communities now that, honestly, goodness, I can, I can take people through and say, see this neighborhood right here, where you see them pushing strollers down the street. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have seen a kid anywhere in this neighborhood, because yeah. ten years ago, it was on the verge. Yep, and so, and, and it's a totally different type of buyer. Right. It's yeah, a totally and I got different away from your type of question. Person. I apologize. I got away from your questions. Yeah. And so what we're seeing, you're right. We're seeing, you know, seeing young professional people, singles, young couples without children, sometimes even empty nesters who who did that years ago somewhere else in the country, perhaps. And now they want to relive that urban experience because they they're empty nesters. The kids are grown and they love being in town and they love that the vibrancy of those kinds of neighborhoods that are evolving and they're fun. Um, but they may not be the best neighborhood if you got the typical, you know, two point five kids and you know want to have a and, cold. And the Volvo grade. station wagon, right? No right, offense to any, no, no offense to any Volvo drivers out there, right? That's, um, right. that's a very, it's a very, it's a very stereotypical thing to say, but but I, I I think our point comes across that it's the it's the the location and the experience that. Uh, that is going to speak to the right audience, right? Not not everybody's going to um, uh, be inclined to the same thing, and that makes me think. Now, um, I am I am very jealous, I have to say, of your your marketing department with those segments, right? That are probably not easy to drill out when you get into lifestyle. For for me and my team in St. Pete, we we specialize a lot in the downtown waterfront or water view or water proximal condos. And so we have a specific website that is dedicated to that. Now, if you want to check out Jack's website, um, if you're interested in more than that, I want you to to visit uh, www.parksathome.com. And where I was going with my comments is I was going to give myself a shameless plug um, that if anybody wanted to check out uh, com, you can see again that kind of focus that really drills to um, a targeted audience for a specific type of, uh, of property. Now, so so we've talked about that avenue, but I'm curious about some examples of specific properties that have a, a unique lifestyle and how we can market them to the the, the, the right folks based on the, the lifestyle. And so I've heard of things that like in, in markets like yours, Jack, of having a barn party, right? So instead of having like an open house, a traditional open house, having a barn party where you invite the community in, maybe it's a property that that could be used additionally for event space or something like that. But I'm curious, Jack, do you, do you have any examples that you can think of or of, um, of something like that or some other sort of event that would uh, yeah. drive the right prospect group? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'll tell you, I've not done a barn party, but I have attended such. And I've got what, what's very interesting in our market. We do have a lot of beautiful rural properties, and some folks would call them gentlemen farms. So they're, they're, these are not ranches. This is not thousands of acres. It's not necessarily even hundreds of acres, but maybe 10, 20, 30 acres with a barn on it. And a lot of times the buyers of these properties, they don't necessarily want livestock or horses. That's why they don't need a big, sprawling uh, bunch of acreage. But they do want that kind of rural experience. And so the barn becomes not necessarily a place for horses. It might be a place for a party barn. And a lot of folks love that whole, that whole vibe of having the barn for not necessarily a, a public event, but for private events, for family events and things of that nature. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, we do have folks who do want to have horses or cattle, that sort of thing. And so, again, that's the lifestyle they're looking for. And then you can market accordingly. One of my favorite categories along these lines, it's complete opposite, is the category that says college life. And this one that speaks to me personally because our kids are almost grown. Um, our uh, youngest son is 17, so he'll be graduating in a couple of years. And so for the first time in my life in many years, we can choose not only to go vacation anytime you want to, not worry about school schedules, but we can also choose where to live and not be thinking about what school zones. That's a, that's a new experience for me. And one of the places I want that I'm gravitating toward and have been for years are communities around colleges because the vibe, typically those are more urban communities. Typically, if you're in a college community, there's always sidewalks on both sides of the street. And I love that. So now you've got you know, somewhere that's uh, walkable or what was the word you used earlier, Tammy? I like the word you used. Accessible. Accessible. Thank you. Yeah. Because our greenways, we talked about earlier, our greenways are accessible. We say the word walkable, but they're accessible. They're paved. These are not mm -hmm. gravel or pea gravel. You feel like you have at the beaches in some places. You know, you actually can, you know, wheelchair, skateboard, skates, walk, whatever. But I do like the sidewalks on both sides of the street. And college communities tend to have a vibrance that you can't necessarily put your finger on it, but just having all those young people in one area, an academic area, tends to create an energy that's just a really good feel. It's such a cool way to kind of bring communities together for a marketing purpose. And then when you see college life as a category for homes, upscale homes, you typically see coffee shops and cool restaurants and more urban experiences. And those are really, those all speak to me personally. But that's a way to market. So back to your original question, I know that we had a, a property recently. It was an in-town property near a college, uh, uh, is in part of a college town, a part, college part of town. And so when we were putting the, all the photos online of the property, like we typically would do, the interior, the exterior, the drawing, whatever, in addition, we put photos of the coffee shops, the restaurants, the nearby parks, all those things that are easily accessible without getting in a car. Um, and that's a big deal to some buyers. And some of these college communities, in this particular case, or urban communities, are very upscale communities, but it's a very different kind of luxury experience. Mm -hmm. That's the key word, experience, right? Lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different lifestyle experience than the luxury home in the cul-de-sacs we discussed earlier. And oftentimes, the consumer or the buyer that might be looking at that urban experience might be somebody like myself, maybe an empty nester who did the cul-de-sac thing and I didn't want a lifestyle change. I want to go downtown and do a college or do a high-rise living or whatever. So for it's sure, a, it's a cool way to think about marketing properties based on the experience. And that makes me think a little further about the experience 
of showing properties that have a unique lifestyle. And so I know in my area, we have a lot of waterfront communities. And so it is, it's an excellent opportunity to show property by boat, right? Because many times those folks that are, that are looking in those communities, it's all about a, you know, the boating lifestyle, especially if they're coming from elsewhere in the country and like that's their jam right they 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 want the boat they want the experience and so being able to to take prospective buyers to see properties and neighborhoods by water can make a you know a, an incredible impression more so than just meeting them there in the driveway and so i'm curious have you shown some of your acreage or whatnot i'm 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 thinking very romantically here ahead, because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm horseback riding. I'm, right? and I'm just wondering, that. did you know I was going to say it? Have you ever shown a property by horseback? Um, I have not, but I have friends who have. What is much more typical, and I'll be doing it next week, actually. What is much more typical is showing property in a gator or some sort of four-wheeler where you're taking your clients. And it's a lot of fun because you're going through pastures and up and down hills and through creeks. It's a really, again, it's a really fun experience in the way that you show the property that's very different from the typical of driving down the cul-de-sac. So yeah, the showing experience, your your goal is try to capture the experience of the lifestyle. You know, you want, we've got a, um, we've got a country music singer as a state listed currently who's got a bunch of acreage with the barns, that sort of thing. And so when we show that property, one of the things that I always encourage folks to do is to what take a walk through the pasture down to the pond and really kind of experience the lifestyle of 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 the property. Now I'm showing a much larger property as I mentioned a moment ago in uh, next couple of weeks, couple different properties actually, where there are a couple hundred acres, and so we're going to get out and ride to the creeks, ride to the property, you know, where the other broker is kind of driving the four wheeler, and sometimes we'll have the seller do it. I've had my own sellers go with me on the showing. Not to necessarily promote the property, but because they know it so well, they know where sure. to go. Later, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> they know where to go and where they, not to go, right? They, where to go, where not to go, exactly. They know where the killer views are, and they that's and they're selling the experience. Um, so yeah, so we do that's a lot of fun. We had um, I, this is really cool. I got a call. Uh, it's been a few years ago. A good friend of mine, his he just has an amazing business. He's my mentor actually and sells a lot of large estate homes, one of the top luxury brokers in our market. And he had a country music singer's property listed, not their primary home. He sold that too later, but he had their lake house about an hour and a half from here listed. And the the seller wanted him to bring 10 of the top brokers in our market out to the property to tour it. But to do that, traditionally, you know, you're not going to get 10 brokers to spend basically six or seven hours of their day to look at one property. That's a big, that's a big ask. So what he did was he has a, a private pilot, a couple of private pilots, and one of them flies a helicopter. And so he asked all of us to fly by helicopter from Nashville to the lake property so that we could get out there and get back in less than two hours. And two of my colleagues said they would not get on a helicopter. And they said, they'll, they said, that they felt like it was a ploy to earn more business. <laughs> it's like, it's not the safest method of travel. I said, no, it's fine. But anyway, oh that, so it was all joking, but we were, but we seriously, we were going to all go tour the property by helicopter. We ended up canceling because of weather on that particular day. 
And then my friend Rick, Rick French, he sold the property the following week. So we never ended up touring by helicopter. But then again, that was another one of those experiences he wanted them to see. Hey, we've got a helicopter pad at this property. And and that makes me think of a number of years ago, my mom and I, for for the the, the listeners who don't know, I work with my mom, and we were headed to we were headed to Vail to teach the the luxury home marketing class. And at the time, the most expensive property on the market in the United States was was in Aspen, in the Aspen area. And we reached out to the the agent who had that listed, right? And now we're not in Aspen, right? We're we're in Florida, but we happen to be in Colorado. And we said, could we take a half an hour of your time, right? If we stop through Aspen, then, you know, would you give us a half hour of your time? And he said, sure, of course, right? Because what we wanted to know is how in the world do you market? And I think it was $150 million at that particular time. We were like, how in the world do you do that? And so he agreed to it. Now, for anybody who is a geography buff, you know that from the Denver airport, Aspen is not on the way to Vail, right? So right. We, we made a detour to get uh, to, to, to get uh, this gentleman's time, and we sat with him, and, and, and we were asking him about how, how he markets uh, a property like that. And, and he said, oh, in fact, he said, what are you doing tomorrow? Because I'm coordinating a broker's event where I am flying in a dozen of the top agents who are likely to have, you know, a buyer prospect or a pool of a sphere of influence who could afford this property. We're flying them in, picking them up at the small general aviation airport and taking everybody in SUVs to the property. We're going to get on ATVs and tour the property. And then we're going to have lunch on, on a boat on the, on the lake. He said, now, mind you, we're never going to see the inside of the property, which is also an interesting thing. He said, but yeah. he had arranged this experience and I nearly kicked myself because, you know, the reason that we were there is that we were teaching the next day. So I didn't think that the class attendees would appreciate that I skipped out on that um, to go to a broker's open. But it was that kind of, that kind of, um, experience, not just for the prospective buyer, but for a likely realtor who could have that, that sphere of influence to make that impression. And so both you and I had the, what coulda, shoulda, but never happened, but it still sticks with us in our minds of something creative. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I love about that, Tammy. What's really cool about that whole scenario you described, not only is that broker doing a terrific job of promoting that luxury, one-of-a-kind property by creating that experience for other brokers. But in turn, each of those brokers can take that experience and package it and distribute it on their social media, which does two different things. Number one, it also promotes that property for the listing broker who provided the original, the original experience, job one. That's why they're doing it, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But number two, it also allows each of those brokers to go out there and promote their brand in social media to say, hey, look, I've been invited to the, with this you know, elite group of brokers for this special experience to tour this unique property. And so now it's doing double duty. You're promoting yep. your brand and you're promoting that listing. It's doing some wonderful things. That, that's one of the cool things about, I think, this whole experience. You talked about earlier about the boat you know, touring properties by boat. We do that here on lakes mm -hmm. um, as 
to the ocean. It's not nearly as exciting, I'm afraid, isn't it? Oceans and canals, but still, it's a beautiful way to tour properties. And it made me think. Uh, I think about three years ago, I had a client who had I had shown properties here in Tennessee, and they decided our lakes are beautiful, but they really wanted the ocean. And so um, they allowed me to uh, refer them to a broker, not in your market, but close down in the coastal Florida area. And so I actually called some of our colleagues in the leading RE and interviewed a couple brokers. And, and the thing that that made me recommend this particular broker is what you said earlier. She said, Jack, because they, they had indicated they wanted waterfront property, mm -hmm. what their budget was, very healthy. I'll come to that in a second. But anyway, she said, my husband and I live on on uh, on a canal, and I would love to take your clients out by boat and show them the communities, give them a tour of the canals and the area and the bay and blah blah blah. And I thought this is this is the right one. Yeah. She's gonna, it's going to be the whole experience. So we did. I referred them. Their original budget was up to ten million, and then I got a call about a month later from my client who I had referred, saying that. What a wonderful introduction we had made, and she had given them these wonderful tours, both to him and to his wife separately on two different visits. Oh, that's and nice. They, yeah, which is really nice. And so they got it two different perspectives because she they were coming out of, from out of state, and they purchased um, what was the largest referral in our network that year, eighteen and a half million. Wow! Based on the the experience that that agent provided, they they almost doubled their budget. Um, and I, and he called me, this is really cool too, a different topic, but he called me and said, before I sign this contract, I want to make sure that you're being compensated because what you did made a big difference to what's happening for my family right now. And wow. I said, I said, we're taking care of, it. I said, you're the only person who's ever made that phone call to me. It was really, it was a really nice gesture on his part. And it worked out so well for everybody. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and boy, that's just, that's just karma all the way around. Right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that experience and, and that, that lifestyle piece, you know, I think about, uh, you've shared with me before that, um, that some of the unique features in your area that people are looking for, um, home studios was. Yeah, that's a, that's a biggie. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, not only Nashville obviously is a music center. Everybody knows that it's really not, it's, it's not by a long shot being the largest part of our, um, economy. But it's the part, it's the fun part to talk about. It's the part everybody hears about. Lord knows Dolly has done her part in the last few years. Um, but aside from all the major, you know, major studios in town uh, doing mainstream music, there's lots and lots of musicians doing all sorts of music, different genres, not just country mm -hmm. or Christian, but all sorts of genres. And they, they want to be in a music center. And so anyway, we've got a lot of clients, luxury clients, who... This I've seen this happen multiple times where we'll have typically a couple where one person is a music person and it's all about the studio and the studio experience, meaning what that space looks and feels like, how it lives for studio recordings, where it's what is it near in terms of other people in the music industry and and the music scene. And then I think one couple in particular who purchased actually the college town, the college area near Belmont University. And that was a big deal to him. He wanted to be near the university, wanted this studio. He taught guitar or teaches guitar by YouTube in that studio. Once he identified that he loved the studio, then it was up to the wife to decide whether she loved the house and the community. And we did that thing several times. And then we hit one that he loved the studio and she loved the, she loved the house. Yeah. Home, and it, yeah. all the boxes were checked. And that, but that was a driving 
force behind the purchase decision. It was about the experience of the music scene first mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the home. And so let me ask you, so that was a that that was an experience representing a buyer. I know that you have represented listings that had those kind of um, features, whether it's a, a studio or something else. What kinds of avenues like events or or marketing or whatnot have you utilized to really hone down on who's most likely to be interested as opposed to just relying on 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 mass mass marketing? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, interesting in our market, one of the things I've done, you know, I'm print advertising is very tricky. And I think a lot of us look at print advertising is it's as much a vehicle for promoting our brand mm -hmm. as it is for promoting the product. I think most of our sellers, they want to see their stuff in print. There's something tactile. You know, you see, you touch it, you feel it, you, you feel the magazine. They can show their friends. They can show their friends. And then there's a good promotional piece there they can give out magazines and whatnot. So there's a there's a real viable part of that print magazine. But the reality is uh, most of us, I think we're seeing our clients are not finding things because of print publications. Mm -hmm. However, the, you know, the caveat to that would be these very, you know, unique niche opportunities. And one of these opportunities will be something like studios, new studios. And we have in our market some local publications uh -huh. that have a very small distribution, a very targeted distribution to people in the music industry. And I think in particular, there's a magazine called Music Row Magazine. And there's one issue in particular that, that features all the top, it's like it's like headshots and, and uh, you know, condensed bios of the top movers and shakers in the music industry. Uh -huh. It comes out once a year. That is a great publication to drop uh, real estate advertising for luxury homes, particularly luxury homes with studios in. Um, so although I'm not a, a huge proponent of print advertising, this targeted print advertising is terrific. So that's an example, uh, one example of ways you can reach a very targeted mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. And there's websites and chat rooms and sure, all sure. kinds of platforms you can do, you know, social media, of course. But that's one that that's, I think really calls for the print as well. And you know, it makes me think of the fact just uh, just within the last couple of weeks, I actually had a call from a colleague locally. Ironically, she was in the middle of listening to our podcast, the one that was focused on hard to sell luxury properties. Right. And she had a toughie. So um, so she asked me to come and see it and brainstorm with her. And so just to for for frame of reference, it's a $7.8 million waterfront home in a really exclusive location. It's on 200 feet of open water frontage uh, with direct access to Tampa Bay. The thing is, it was built in 1964 by a really well-known local art architect who later personally directed the remodeling in 2011 so that it maintained the design oh, wow. character. Um, think Frank Lloyd Wright. Sure, right. Sure. This is this is the style. It's so she is absolutely, but in a very specific genre, right? Like so let's let's just add the price tag, go over the top. And so she's the third agent to represent the uh, the home over the course of a year. And uh, this home is super unique and absolutely is not going to appeal to an ordinary buyer. Right, not the 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 buyer in the seven eight million dollar range who wants that waterfront. Right, like this is a different uh, uh, a different buyer. And so we brainstorm things like advertising on websites that specialize in architecturally significant properties, of which there are 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 a number. 
hosting an event for the local preservation society, which is really, really important. And uh, even reaching out in our city, we have a director of historic preservation. Sure. And so reaching out there and uh, and other agents who uh, who are legacy, you know, family families within the the area. So I'm hopeful that those are some ways that uh, that she can reach the right buyer. But it kind of speaks to what we've been talking about, about focus on the lifestyle, focus on 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 the thing that's going to appeal to the right buyer and weave that story and that experience in it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that too, because when you talk about historic homes, this is another one that are wonderful categories, you know, of, of homes. It has more to do really with the experience and the square footage, you know, and the number yep. of rooms not. When we market historic homes, our luxury historic homes, typically are in a historic overlay, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to doing all the typical photos, we don't do we don't do the drone photography because these are streets typically there. They're tree-lined streets. You can't see anything. Right. You know, all you see is treetops, which is a cool thing. But in terms of, of terms of marketing the experience, in addition to the photos of the home, the subject property, we'll do photos a lot of times of other homes in the neighborhood. We'll do streetscape photos and photos of other homes down the street to give the, the buyer the feel of what not the house like, but the experience. Here's the street. Yeah. Sidewalks on both sides. We'll promote things. I may have mentioned this in a past podcast. I'm pretty sure I did. One of our historic neighborhoods is is known to be the primo trick-or-treat neighborhood. Yes. Yes. And it's so much so that certain homes, certain historic homes, have a tradition that's that is specific to that house every year. Okay. And so it's probably been 10 years ago, one of these homes were on the market. It was the home that always had the jack-o'-lantern collection. They had in their front yard bleachers, and it probably had 50 to 100 jack-o'-lanterns, really good, well-executed jack-o'-lanterns every year at that home. That was almost like the trademark for that property. When that home sold, the neighbors had, or excuse me, the new buyer had first right of refusal on the bleachers to be the jack-o'-lantern home. And if they didn't want to carry on the tradition, there were neighbors on a waiting list. Oh my. To be that home. So anyway, uh, but it's very interesting when you market a neighborhood like that, we talk about those things in the marketing. This is the number one trick-or-treat neighborhood. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. You, this is not something you touch and feel, but it's part of the experience. And so I think it's really important, once again, that we're talking about, one, if you're representing a buyer, how to talk about the experience and bring them into the, right area, right neighborhood based on experiences, but two on the flip side is listing brokers, how to convey the experience that goes along with a house. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's such an important component of what we do, I think. And, and that, as, as, we, as we get to our wrap up, that also just makes me, it makes me realize that, that that's one of the joys of working in the upper tier because we transcend that transactional you know, beds and baths, which is oh so important. Oh so important. Please, please, please don't let me um, uh, make light of any price point and the the value of our real estate professionals in any price point. But there is something to be said for when you're working in the luxury space that you have the opportunity to embrace the lifestyle attributes and really be a matchmaker in a way that that is is really significant. So. I'm I'm super glad that we talked about this today. I am too. And it's so funny. I just realized we went through this entire segment and we didn't discuss what would be the obvious go-to, which is 
golf communities and country club. And those are all big experience communities. But I think the point that you and I are making today is there's lots of experiences. That's and right. right. When it comes to the luxury, when it comes to luxury brands uh, or the luxury real estate, it is, it's a blessing. We've got all these really wonderful and cool and very unique experiences we get to sell. And it, it transcends just basic square footage and architecture. It's a lot of fun. Really is. Excellent. So I think that ends us on a really high note. And I hope that all of you out there listening have enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing, you can find more at www.luxuryhomemarketing.com. And if you like what you just heard, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you've got a hot topic you'd like us to discuss in a future podcast, feel free to let us know. Send an email to info at luxuryhomemarketing.com. Thanks so much for listening.